Good morning. It's good to see everyone here. Um, listen, there are a lot of things happening uh, at the church. So take a moment, take a look at your, your bulletin when you get a chance. Um, you know, we've got our parents' night out. Uh, there's uh, lady shirts available that we're, we're, we're uh, selling. There's our, our feeding the homeless with the shower power group is coming up here. I think on the 23rd, I got a spring fling, the 25th, so a lot of things happening. Uh, but I do want to make mention of one thing particularly. Um, our Lakeside 101, um, we are beginning that, uh, those classes for four weeks. Uh, for those that are interested in maybe joining Lakeside, finding out more about us, uh, you get a pretty good feel for us when you come to our services. Um, but this is really an opportunity to find out kind of things we believe, what we're part of, our mission. You kind of get to interact with myself and and Pastor uh, Taylor and, and maybe others uh, that are there. And so our first one is today at one at uh, four o'clock in the Fellowship Center, right over here, this building right next door. Now, a lot of us have registered for it. If you have not yet registered, that's okay. Just come on anyway. Four o'clock, we're usually done by five o'clock, always done by five o'clock. So I really want to encourage you to be a part of that. Good morning. So uh, a couple things going on uh, for some different groups. The youth ministry is is taking signups for I guess that's the AC hitting the thing, huh? Um, taking signups for the um, our summer trip. So we're headed down to Claremont, Florida. Um, we we you know we rented like this island. It's it's real bougie. It's going to be fantastic, um, and uh, we're pretty excited about it. So, um, but we're going to go down there and spend four or five days down there. Um, and we're going to do some other, you know, hit Disney World, stuff like that. There, we have a speaker, we do worship, <laughs> it's a good, good trip. But it's one of those, like, we, during COVID, we'll just stick together and go do our thing, then spread in Disney World. So um, it'll be, stay safe like that. Um, but no, we're going, it's June 13th through 20th, it's three twenty-five, dollars um, and then some meal money. So I have about 11 spots remaining. Um, this trip is going to fill up. So this is for current 7th through 12th graders. Um, can any, anyone can join us for that. Um, so if you want to sign your kids up for that, let me know. We'd love to have them. Um, second thing is Lakeside Softball. Um, we've been in a rebuilding phase for about 10 years. Um, and, you know, the trick, the trick is to throw a bunch of games to get the first round draft pick. We just keep getting busts. So um, we, aren't, we aren't better. Um, but that's okay. We have a good time. Um, but that will begin. I... I we sent in registration last month. They're like, we'll let you know when. I got an email like yesterday. It was like, it starts on the 16th. So that's in like eight days. Um, so softball begins in a couple weeks. Um, if you want to play with us, come join us. It's a good time. It's, it's very low pressure. At least one person will strike out swinging at a ball that's coming at you at a 13-foot arc. It's fantastic. So um, come, come be a part. If you want to play, let me know. I'll get information to you, uh, and we'll go out there and have a good time playing. Thanks. And, and, and as I shared in the, the uh, first service, there are a lot of people in that service that remembers the day um, when we had a softball team that won everything. And um, there might be a few of you out there, this was even before my time, but they used to uh, get trophies about the same size of Weston there. So, uh, but they're, now they're having fun. That's a good thing. Okay, uh, one last thing. I do want to make mention, uh, a lot of y'all know um, Joe and Lori Beatty. They've been members here over 28 years. Um, and, and they're not here now. They came to the earlier service, but I did want you to know that um, you know Laurie's been in our choir for, for forever, and she's an accomplished um, Christian author. 
Um, and uh, Joe is, has served for years and years, and he's been a deacon for quite a while. And a lot of the things, like for example, the uh, the fellowship, uh, I mean, the information desk we have out there, he, he built that. The, uh, the offering boxes that we have in the back, he built those. He built uh, all these extra stage props that we have. Whenever we have an extended stage here, he, he built all of those things or is central to that. And just a lot of other kinds of things. They're incredible servants. Um, but they're, they're moving, um, and they're going to Nashville to be with um, their uh, family up there. And, it's, and they're going to ha have a wonderful time there and be blessed. But I do want to encourage you, for those that know the babies, uh, like I said, today was the last service they attended uh, at this time. I think uh, by this time next week, they will be um, uh, packing up and leaving on their way to Nashville. And I thought maybe you all would want to know that and maybe give them, drop them a line or something and just say how much you love them. Okay, guys, a lot of announcements today, a lot going on. Uh, let me take a moment and speak to, to you about who we are, what we are as a church. Lakeside is a gospel-driven, mission-centered family of believers. That means that the gospel is at the center of what we do in all things. We try to be really, really missional. There's so many missional opportunities right now that we don't have time to explain them all to you. If you won't look at lakeside.updates.church, that is our digital bulletin. Uh, you also might have a paper bulletin in your hand, but lakeside.updates.church. If you're visiting here today, you could give us your information in there. We can put uh, we can put you on our text line. The reason it's helpful to be on our text line right now is that at a moment's notice, uh, I'm prone to say worship is outdoors this week, and we go to one service at 11 o'clock outside. We were doing that last week. We were scheduled to do that this week. The rain came down. It's just a sloppy mess, so we're inside. Um, so... A lot going on missionally. We've got a mission trip coming up to Delta Streets in Greenwood, Mississippi, working with an inner city school there that, that was uh, planted by one of our members uh, uh, that used to be a member here at, at Lakeside. Um, we have uh, work in Shower Power, which is a, a, a ministry with the homeless in Mississippi coming into or uh, in Jackson coming in two weeks. So a lot of missional stuff going on. A lot of great ways for you to plug in. Lakeside.updates.church. Okay, here's the deal. This month, our missional focus is on the Center for Pregnancy Choices. Uh, we're going to try to raise $10,000 for the Center for Pregnancy Choices. Um, last week, uh, I think we our total was about 3600 and we realized we weren't getting close enough to reach our goal, and so we called the director and said, you've got to get up here and manipulate people into giving more. And so Aaron K. Good is here to speak about that. If you come on up. Absolutely the first time I've ever been asked to manipulate a congregation. So. We're real honest <laughs> with people here, real honest. Um, thank y'all so much for having me today. Um, I'm delighted to be here. Uh, Lakeside has been a partner with us for a long time, been very generous to our ministry. And so I just want to briefly give you an update on what's going on with the abortion crisis in Jackson. Most people don't know that there are above 60 abortions a week happening in Jackson. Jackson is the home of the only abortion facility in the whole state of Mississippi, so it is an abortion destination for the whole state. And so there is definitely a crisis. The number is actually increasing from 2017 to 2019. The number of abortions every week increased 23%. And we know that it's increasing more because of COVID. So at the CPC, we are actually the connection point between the church, the body of Christ, and those women who are coming here for abortions. 
Um, we know at the church that every life is precious and every man, every woman, every baby was created in the image of God. And so it's a, it's a crisis that in this community where there's a church on every corner that so many women are still choosing abortion. The way that we reach women who are considering abortion is a little different than you might expect. We're not on the sidewalks. We actually are on Google. We're on her cell phone. At a moment that the woman finds out she's pregnant and starts looking for answers, our ads show up on Google. So we compete with the abortion clinic to be on top. When our ad shows up, and offer, we offer help and hope on behalf of you, on behalf of the church. When a woman um, clicks on our ad and calls our center, we offer pregnancy tests and sonograms and decision counseling, so she's able to look at all of her options. We refer for adoption. We bring her back in if she chooses to have an abortion, and we do post-abortion support because we want her to know that even abortion was covered on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, it covered that sin too. It's not an unforgivable sin. So we want even that experience to draw her to Christ. And then thirdly, if she chooses life, the most exciting thing that we're able to do is to connect her to local churches who have support groups who will walk with her through that pregnancy and for the rest of her life. And in 2020, we had 10 women make commitments to Christ through those local groups, and four of them were baptized. So that ministry, um, that connection with local churches is changing future generations. Once she knows the Lord, we know that the generations of her children to come will know the Lord as well. And so I want y'all to know when you raise this $10,000, which I know you'll be able to do, um, <laughs> that y'all, the money will go directly to that. It will go to reaching women in our community who are considering abortion, and it'll go to um, giving them free services in our clinic and then connecting them with churches to walk with them along the way for the rest of their lives. So thank y'all so much for um, having me today. And if y'all have any questions about the walk, your liaisons for the walk, Sherry Gleason and Susan Shaw, the Shaw and Gleason families are working together to um, head up the walk for, um, for your church. And so they'll be glad to help you with that. Thank y'all so much. All right. Uh, and I'm going to do you a solid. Um, you don't have to stay. You came to the first service. You heard the sermon. You heard the sermon the first time. You worshiped. And I remember because you said, that's the best sermon I've ever heard. Do you remember saying that? Yeah, no. Well, it's always weird because people come up and they have to make announcements in the second service, and I always think they're like, well, I guess I'm stuck here. I'm on the front row. <laughs> God bless you and what you do. Thanks for your ministry. Thanks for being here and sharing. Uh, she shared with me that Redeemer Church has already raised more than $10,000. And what was the other church, First Pres? Already done all that. And so, anyway, praise God. Maybe we can be as good as them. Um, <laughs> So, so here's the deal. Um, for those of you who are, are new here, uh, we weekly confess our faith in Jesus Christ by using the Apostles' Creed. Now, if you're not familiar with the creeds, this is one of the oldest creeds of the church, and it's believed by Baptists, Presbyterian, Methodists, and everything. Has as one kind of tricky word. It says that we we uh, we talk about the Holy Catholic Church is something we believe in. That is not the Roman Catholic Church. That means the Church Universal. All all churches, all Christians everywhere. And with that being said, I want to invite you to stand if you're able. And we're going to be called to worship uh, by confessing our faith. And it goes like this, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty.
From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Stay standing as we worship together. Please remember, uh, we, we are not at this time passing the plate um, in the offerings. We do have a couple of plates up front here and the, and the offering boxes in the back. And uh, also, uh, you know, if you move to help with uh, the Center uh, for, uh, for Pregnancy Choices, um, you, you can go on our webpage, there's a place you can link, it'll take you somewhere, and then you'll have a couple options. I, we mentioned those two families, just pick either one. They're, they're connected to the lakeside. Um, if you want to do a check, just make sure in the memo you, you, you write what it is and again put it where the regular offerings go and we'll make sure that goes to the proper people. Um, 
The prophet Micah writes, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? So let's pray together. A kind and loving Father, the provider of every good thing and every perfect gift from above, we gather this day to worship, pray, and listen. To worship in spirit and truth, lifting in praise what you have lifted high on the cross. To pray. For the increase of your gospel with thanksgiving for the abundant grace you have lavished upon us in your Son. And to listen to your word, being more than hearers, but diligent doers of it. Lord, we give thanks that by your Spirit you awaken sinners. With the power that converts our souls, let us perceive our daily sin and repent our ever-present idolatries. What we cannot do in ourselves... Give us the grace of Christ. May your spirit teach us the way of Christ, to walk in him even as we have received him. We are saved by grace through faith. May we also walk by grace through faith, making it our ambition to be pleasing to the Lord in all things. Father, even as you declared all things good in your creation and now cause all things to work together for good to those who love you, Show us the good that you require of us. Teach us to meditate upon your law, knowing your justice in a world that hates truth. Teach us to love kindness, exhibiting the mercy that triumphs over judgment. And teach us to walk humbly before you, seeing always the sacrifice of Jesus as our redemption, strength, and example. Mighty God, we make special mention of the Center for Pregnancy Choices. Honor its work to save lives, providing all things necessary to fulfill its godly calling. Bless with wisdom, favor, laborers, and finances, all to the glory of your Son. It is in this glory that we give our tithes and our offerings. We thank you for the honor and the privilege of giving. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus, our wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption praying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. There's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. 
was grace that taught
shall soon dissolve like snow the sun forbear to shine but God will be forever This time, all children ages three through kindergarten will be removed from the foyer for Children's Church. So last time we were together, Side. Uh, the sun was shining, the weather was perfect, and we were together with 400 plus of our closest friends, and uh, the mood was joyous, the mood was, was light and happy, and uh, you, you smiled, you loved the stories of the sermon, uh, the, the sermon was, you know, that Christ never gives up on us people, uh, but today is going to be the almost, I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a much different sermon, it's going to be much darker and drearier, like, it, it, there could be a more opposite sermon to follow Easter than today. Um, we're going to be working through the book of Judges. And what we, you know, one of the interesting things, when you're a church that's committed to uh, exegeting the different portions of text and the different books, it takes you into some places that the good news, happy preachers don't always go. And so we're going to be working through uh, Judges together. And this morning we're going to have to examine a lot of scripture. And so I'm actually, on one hand, really thankful that, we, that the weather brought us inside today because I think the use of the screens is going to be very helpful for us all to be able to track the scripture that we're going to use this morning, it would have been really hard for you to flip around and kind of stay with me, uh, but the, the screens are going to help out a lot. We're going to be jumping around, but I think you're going to be able to track with me where we're going. We're going to start in the Word of God this morning. We're going to be in Judges 2, 1 through 5, and because you haven't been standing enough, I'm going to have you stand one more time. We stand when we read the Word of God together every week before we preach on it. I don't know, man. It's, it's a way of us humbling our hearts to the Word of God as it's read. We stand for it. We, we give reverence to it. We always pray before we read it. So we're going to do that again today. Father, um, thank you for revealing yourself and your character by your Word. God, as we come to it today, God, may it, may it shape us. 
May it convict us. May it give us hope. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear now the word of the Lord. Uh, Judges 2, beginning the first verse. Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum. And he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars. But you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare to you. As soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, people lifted up their voices and wept. And they called the name of that place Bacham, and they sacrificed there to the Lord. Church, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. And this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, be seated, please. There are some, some kind of dark days or some days in history that, that tend to change everything. And uh, I don't know what you've experienced in your life, how many days like this that you've experienced that seem to change everything, that you measure all of space and time from what happened before that day and what happened after that day. And for me, when I started thinking through, what are there any days like that, uh, what came to mind was September 11th. 9-11, it, it seems to, it changed the world. There's, there, there's, there's how kind of the world seemed to exist before that, and there's how things seemed to exist after that. And, and I mean, I remember a time in life when, when I could fly and I didn't have to take my shoes off, and I could fly and I didn't have to take all my stuff and put them in the, all, all my toiletries and put them in those Ziploc bags. And, and it's not just little stuff like that. There were really big things that changed in our country after 9-11. Uh, we, we changed the way we thought about border security. We changed the way uh, we were involved in wars in the Middle East, and we, we even changed the way we practiced national um, surveillance within the United States. Another one of those days, if you were old enough to, to see that, might have been the bombing in Hiroshima. August 6, 1945. The world changed. Countries couldn't no longer look to conventional weapons to keep them safe. We were officially living in a nuclear age. The book of Judges begins with a day like this, a day that would change everything for the Israelites. You see, Joshua has died. And for those of you who are a little bit rusty on your Old Testament history, let me help you catch up. Uh, Moses was the leader who led the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt. But Moses died before he could lead God's people into the promised land in Canaan. And that's where uh, kind of Joshua comes in. It, it's he who leads the Israelites into the promised land. Moses actually chose him as, a, as his successor. And Moses tells Joshua in Deuteronomy 31, he says, Joshua, you're going to lead the people across the Jordan River and into the promised land. And that famous like, line of Joshua says, be strong and courageous. That was kind of what, what Moses told him. And later what the, what the word of the Lord came back and said to Joshua again, Joshua, be strong and be courageous. And, and Joshua... I mean, he is strong and courageous. He's a great leader. I keep thinking that somebody needs to teach a, a leadership class just based on the life of Joshua alone. Uh, he, he, was, he was really great at it. He was the, Joshua was the kind of leader that didn't lead by demanding authority. 
What he did was, was he led by following the Lord. And, and, he, and Joshua put himself under God's authority. And as he followed the Lord and let the, the Lord lead, he asked people, hey, ride along with me. Come on, we're all going to follow God together. And that was a great way to lead the people into the promised land. So what I want to do now is talk to you about the promised land. What do you know about the promised land? Well, it's called the promised land uh, because God promised it to Abraham. And it, that happened back in Genesis 15, verse 18. And here's what it says. It, it's back when God was making his covenant with Abraham. So it goes all the way back to the beginning. The covenant was always tied in some way to this land. It says this. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And so when you think about that area, that's basically where modern-day Israel is today. Uh, so it's not that the Israelites were just able to pick some random land that they wanted to go and be the promised land and said, hey, this, this looks good, let's take it for ourselves. The promised land was actually promised to them by the Lord at the very time when God made his covenant with his people. And the second thing I think that's really important to say about the promised land is this. The promised land that God had promised to Israel was not uninhabited. In other words, the promised land is full of people who called it their home. And those people had, had called it their home for as long as they could remember. So if the Israelites were going to take possession of the promised land, what would they do with these people? It's a tough question. What would you do? If the land that you were promised by the Lord was already filled with other people, do you share the land? I mean, is that what you, you share the land? And how do you suppose you do that? How, how are you going to share the land? Are you just going to knock on the door and say, uh, Hey, man, you're on our land. Uh, you know, God promised it to our great, 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 great grandpa. I mean, what would you do if someone came knocking on your door and said, Hey, listen, God promised us your land. You got to get off. It's not going to go well. They're going to be chased out by your shotgun, probably. I know, y'all. There are some instructions that God gave to the Israelites, very specific instructions on how they were to behave and what they were to do as they came into this promised land. And um, I want to read this together, and, and then we'll talk about a couple things. We'll talk about the substance of what's in here. And we're going to need to kind of at least say something about the morality of it, okay? So we're going to be in Deuteronomy 7, verses 1 through 5. Uh, and here's what the Lord tells the Israelites about the promised land. He says this. Uh, when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you were entering to take possession of it and clears away many nations before you, he lists off those nations, and then he says, seven nations more numerous and mightier than you. And when the Lord your God gives them over to you, and you must, and you defeat them, okay, then, then we're going to come to this area where there's going to be a bunch of musts and a bunch of shalls. We're going to have this series of commandments here, okay? The first one is this. Then you must devote them to complete destruction. Number two. Then you shall make no covenant with them and show no mercy to them. Number three. You shall not intermarry with them, giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for your sons. For they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord would be kindled against you, and he would destroy you quickly. But thus shall you deal with them. Number four, you shall break down their altars and dash in pieces their pillars and chop down their sherem and burn their carved images with fire. Okay? So that's a lot to take in, both in substance and in morality. Let's talk about the substance first so that we all understand what's happening here. 
uh, there are four really clear commandments in Deuteronomy 7. Let's, re let's review them. First, to the Israelites, you must devote yourself to the complete destruction of the nations that live in the promised land. It doesn't say that every person has to be destroyed. It says that the complete destruction of the nations that live in the promised land. And, in, and Israel must devote them, themselves to that. The second command is, is to not make any covenants with them. Once they're over there, the people who live on their land, and, and it goes on to say, show them no mercy. The idea here is that, you know, a covenant would maybe be an agreement to stop the fighting and to live together and kind of be at peace, like we have an agreement, a, a peace treaty. Don't make any covenants with them. The Lord wants these people driven out of the land. And the third is not to intermarry with them. And I think that the most important thing I could say about this text is this is not an issue of race. This is not about interracial marriage. This is an issue of, of, of false gods being the practice of those people and that if you get married to them, if your children get married to them, then all of a sudden you're raising these kids together and these kids are, are trying to decide what religion they are, what their faith is, and they're, they're adopting these faith practices that the Lord abhors into their families. And the fourth issue Finally, the Lord says, break down all their altars and all their idols. And you begin to get a sense of what God's up to. He wants uh, to give the Israelites the promised land, but he doesn't want any of the seeds of these people's idolatry to remain. That's really what he's concerned about. He doesn't want any of that religion that they're involved in being a part of them. He doesn't want them to live together. Because he knows that if you, if you just settle in that land and you intermarry and their altars stay up, that over time they won't be faithful to the Lord. So the Lord says uh, that when you cross into the promised land, uh, co commit yourself to destroying the Canaanite nations, don't make covenants with them, don't intermarry with them, and tear down their idols. So let's, that's the substance, okay? Let's talk about the morality. How could God tell Israel to wipe out the Canaanites? And listen, I'm not, I'm not going to defend God today. I'm not going to, if you need that, Come find me at a different time. I don't think that's the, the, the point uh, of me up here today. Uh, but I, I just want to say this. You may have a tendency to judge God because of the violence of these commands. But before you do, let me, let me say this about the Canaanites. This isn't just simply about blessing Israel. This is also uh, about judging the Canaanites and who they were and the kind of people they were. You see, God's sovereign. He, he, he both at one time wants to bless the Israelites, but at the same time, he knows who the Canaanites are, he knows what they're up to, and it's time for some justice for them. So in order to show you this, I need to jump again to Genesis 15. We're going to be looking at Genesis 15, verses 15 and 16, and God's speaking to Abraham. And, uh, and this is what God says to Abraham in, in Genesis 15, 15. He says, as for yourself, you shall go to your fathers in peace you shall be buried in a good old age. You're going to die, Abraham. Uh, and, he, and then he begins to talk about Abraham's descendants in verse 16. He says, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation. Other, other places say 400 years. Same, same thing. It's just a translation difference. And the iniquity, or excuse me, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Okay, let me explain this. Uh, God says, Abraham, you're going to die in your good old age, but in 400 years or in four generations, your descendants are going to return here to the promised land. And when that time comes, 
the Amorites, the people who live in the promised land, their iniquity will be complete. In other words, uh, that word iniquity means gross or immoral behavior. So God knows that in 400 years, the behavior of the Amorites is going to be such that God is going to use the descendants of Abraham to come and be a judge to the Amorites or, or the Canaanites who live in that land. And so maybe you're left to ask yourself, what, what could these people be up to that's so bad? Well, if we look at, at Deuteronomy 12, the, the Lord is, is talking to Israel, and the Lord is saying, listen, through Moses, and saying, listen, don't, don't behave like the people of Canaan. And this is what he says, uh, Deuteronomy 12, 31. I think we have it on the screen behind me. Uh, he says, you should not worship uh, the Lord your God in that way. In other words, in the way that they worship their God. Don't worship me the way they worship their God. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods. They're doing, they do things that God hates in, in worship of their God. They even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire for their gods. We're talking about children's sacrifice here. It's one of the, the horrible practices. God abhors this. He's not going to stand for this. And so you begin to see why God would say, when you come across into the promised land, you drive them out. And you break down those altars because they burn children on those altars. And you know what? Don't let your children marry their children because it's going to be your grandchildren on those altars. Begin to see why God's concerned about this stuff. All right, so snap back. We've got go, we to go to the beginning of the book of Judges. All that we've done so far is context. We're going to the book of Judges. Judges 1.1 says this. After the death of Joshua, big thing. We talked about that big thing. The people of Israel inquired of the Lord, who should go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? In other words, they're trying to ask the Lord, God, which, which of the tribes is going to go to battle in the Canaanites first? And the Lord speaks up to them, and he says, listen, the first tribe that's going to go fight is, is Judah. So Judah nods his head, and he says, he looks at his, his little brother Simeon and says, Simeon, come with me. And they're going to go up together, the tribe of Judah, the tribe of Simeon, off into battle. And so in Judges 1, that's what you begin with there. You get a, the first few verses of chapter 1 begin to detail those battles. And, and we must say, uh, it starts off really well. They, they have some decisive victories. They seem to be very, very, very faithful in what they do until you get to Judges 1, verse 19. And that changes. Things start to go wrong. Here's what Scripture says. And the Lord was with Judah. That's important. And he took possession of the hill country, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the plain. Because of what? They had chariots of iron. So, so the first thing they say is, is that the Lord is with Judah in battle, and Judah fails to drive out the inhabitants. And, and if you remember the rules, they, God was specific, this was not what they were instructed to do. They were instructed to drive them out. Judah had just failed to do what the Lord had asked of them when they crossed over into the promised land. So, so sure, maybe the Canaanites had, had chariots, but, but what did the Israelites have? They had the Lord. And they gave up. And Judah didn't do the hard part. They didn't have faith. And what started as half measures by Judah, that, that tribe there, it begins to trickle down all through the rest of the first chapter of Judges. And we read report after report of the tribes of Israel failing to drive out the Canaanites. So, so another tribe would go to war. They would fail. And, and it's a pattern. 
And it goes like this. Tribe A failed to drive out this group of Canaanites, and instead they just lived among them. And then tribe B failed to drive out this group of Israel or of Canaanites, and they just lived among them. On and on, verse after verse. And probably if those Israelites were here today, they would tell us like, uh, hey, uh, we wanted to do what God asked of us, but we just couldn't. Because it, it was too difficult. There's just too many people, and they had iron chariots, and, and it was just really, really hard. And if we read the story of Judges 1 very carefully, we would discover that it wasn't just that it was difficult, that, but that in some cases, when they were able to, to defeat them in victory, they didn't drive them out. Instead, they, they kept the ones that they did defeat as slaves. And they begin to enslave these Canaanites to work for them. Well, it, it's missing the whole point. God wanted them out so that they didn't put seeds of idolatry into the community. And they chose the riches or, or the, the comfort of, of owning slaves over driving them out of the land. And that brings us to the text that we read as we started today. It begins the second chapter of Judges. Judges 2, 1 through 5. And uh, let's review that. So remember what it says. Judges 2, 1 what it said. Now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum, and he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you. And so it starts off well, right? The angel of the Lord reminds them of God's covenant. The angel of the Lord reminds them that the Lord brought them into the promised land and that God says a very, very important thing. I will never break my covenant with you. And this may be the most important verse in all of the book of Judges. That God says, I will never break my covenant with you. And it, it's an important line because at its heart, the book of Judges is about the Israelites' wickedness. It's about the fact that, that God doesn't turn his back on them. And so on the one hand, Judges is a really hard book to read because it's full of violence, especially violence against women. There's terrible stories of abuse in this book. I mean, there, there are some stories in the book of Judges that I would have to tell your kids to stay in childcare if we were going to really read it, because it would just be shocking to like, talk about out loud in front of our children. Tim Keller actually describes Judges as despicable people doing deplorable things. And yet, we have that promise of God. There is reason for encouragement in this book. Even though the Israelites are wicked, God does not break his covenant promises to them again and again and again following their, their wickedness. And that, that gives me great hope because I know that I'm prone to disobey God. I know God is a God who never breaks his covenant promises. And so I guess my question for you as we begin this book of Judges is this. How about you? Have you ever started to, to question your many failures and your many sins and, and say, like, how much is God going to put up with me? before he gives me over to hell, damnation, judgment. I mean, if that's kind of where you are, then I think Judges is a really good book for you. Back to this angel. He comes to speak to Israel. The news he brings contains good news. God is never going to forsake you, but it also contains a harsh rebuke. Here's what he says in verse 2, Judges 2.2. 2. You, uh, he, he says, when, when I told you I'd never break my covenant with you, I also said, you should make no covenants with these people and break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? It's time for some accountability. 
The Lord told the Israelites what to do. They didn't do it. And if you were to read Judges chapter 1, it reads like all the reasons. It's, it's almost like the tribes of Israel kind of wrote chapter 1 and, and were given all the reasons why they couldn't be obedient to God. And they just kept saying, we couldn't do it, we couldn't do it. And it seems that now that the angel of the Lord comes, he seems to be suggesting it's not a matter of couldn't. It's a matter of wouldn't. That's what's happening here. God tells the Israelites what to do, and when the time comes, it's hard. And so they, they disobey God, saying, we couldn't. And the angel of the Lord comes and says, you have not obeyed. What is this that you're doing? And if I had to guess, I'd say this pattern might play itself out in your life as well. Are there places where God has asked you to do difficult things? And, 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 and when you come to do those difficult things, and, and it's time to do it, you just say, I can't. For instance, I, let me give you a couple of examples of that. How about forgiveness? You, you're familiar with the Matthew 18 story of the unforgiving servant? We get to the end of that story, and uh, remember, God's forgiven the servants. The king forgives the servant. Servant doesn't forgive his fellow servants. And so the king has him thrown into uh, the prison and basically says, uh, Jesus, at the end of the story, says, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So you have this clear command as a Christian to forgive. And yet there's someone in your life, and you know, like you come up to that time of forgiveness, you go, I can't, I can't. Now you won't. Understand the difference. Well, what about telling the truth? Ephesians 4.25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. And then you get into the moment, and what? It's too hard to tell the truth. So you just say, I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Well, the truth is, you just won't. And so it goes for sin and temptation as well. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. The word of God tells you to resist sin, and yet temptation comes and you say, I can't. I'm afraid the word of the Lord would say to you, you know, you won't. Because the Israelites refused to do what the Lord has asked, uh, Judges 2-3, we kind of hear what the angel says. He says, so now I say, I will not drive them out before you, the Canaanites, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare to you. And this is what Judges is going to be about. Because they didn't drive them out, the people and their gods become a snare to the Israelites. There are real repercussions for not obeying the Lord, both for the Israelites in our story and both for you in your life. However, the story of Judges is a story about how a faithful God does not give up on a detestable people who do despicable things. In the coming weeks, we're going to read a lot about those failures, and in the midst of those failures, we're going to continue to see a God who keeps his covenant promises. Let's review our work today, because there was a lot. The Israelites were given the promised land when God made a covenant with Abraham. That's when it happened. And in Deuteronomy 7, Moses goes over the rules of entering the promised land. Do you remember those rules? Devote yourself to their destruction. Don't make covenants with them. Don't intermarry. Break down all their altars. 
Then chapter 1 of Judges comes, and it's a record of Israel failing to do as they are asked. They settle with the people, they enslave them, and they do not drive them out. In chapter 2 of Judges, the angel of the Lord says two important things that we need to know. First, that God will not break his covenant. And second, that the people have disobeyed him. The exhortation that I bring for you today is this. Stop telling God that you cannot do what he asks because it's too hard. Because when you stand before the judgment throne, judgment throne, I'm afraid that you'll be told that it wasn't that you could not, it was just that you would not. Thanks be to Jesus this morning, the great gift of grace for all of us who do not deserve it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word from Judges this morning. God, your word, is, it, it's filling. There's hope there that, that you won't break your covenant, but there's also uh, repercussions for sin, and we see them both. Um, God, help us as, as we try to live to your calling in our life. God, help us not to say we cannot, but to know that the Lord goes with us in all of our struggles. And if the Lord is with us, we always can. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the, there's a lot of announcements today, and I won't go over them all again other than just to say, listen, if you're wanting to be involved in missions in your life, if you want to be part of Christ's hands and feet in the world, there are a lot of opportunities. Uh, you can find them on our website. We're, we're, we're working in all different kinds of places. Let me, let me say two things. Um, our Lakeside 101 class begins tonight at four, or today at 4 o'clock. It's for 4 to 5. 
It, I think we have it two weeks in a row. We take a week off. We have two more weeks of it. Um, that is a class that you would go to if you wanted to become a member of Lakeside or if you were interested in finding out more of our culture and the way things work, who our officers are, um, the way we believe about the gospel. It will be in our fellowship center right here. Last one hour, four to five. Um, the other thing, two weeks from this morning, two weeks from today, we'll be having our uh, spring fling. And uh, we'll be, uh, it'll be a big festival outside, inflatable kids things, crawfish for everybody. It'll be a very fun day. Um, hey, listen, if you've got some people in your community that you think would benefit from a family of faith, that would be a great day to invite them to come and hear the word preached and stay for fellowship. You know, it'd be a great, great way to do that. Um, with that being said, let's one more time review what the message was today. Um, listen, all I ever ask as a preacher is that you know what to talk about in the car ride home, that you know what the sermon was about. And the sermon today was about this. Uh, when God asked the Israelites to go into the promised land and do something, they said they could not, but the truth is they would not. And when God speaks to you and he tells you to do something, how often do you say, I cannot, when the truth is you will not? Thanks be to God that we have a God that honors his covenant promises when we do not. Go now and take you through the love of God, the grace of Christ Jesus' the Son, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We're going to sing one more time. What a beautiful day it was been to worship together our faithful God. Until next week, God bless. Thank you.